welcome to Rewriting Your Happily Ever After podcast. Today we have the next interview in the Desi Divorce Discussion Series. I'm speaking with Usha, who lives in the UK and has a very moving story to share about her struggle as a young mother to get custody of her child. She talks about how she reinvented a new life for herself, a life with many ups and downs. Yet, Usha says it's all good. Listen to Usha's story today. Hi, Usha. Welcome to Rewriting Your Happily Ever After podcast. I'm so happy that we found a time that matches both our time zones for this conversation. So welcome. Thank you very much, uh, Ranjini, for reaching out to me with the, you know, a request for the podcast. I really am happy. I'm Usha, as you know, and I live in London. And uh, it's going to be a very interesting conversation. And, you know, um, yeah, I am um, I'm a divorcee from time ago. I remarried and uh, I'm a widow now. So... I've been through quite uh, up and down. Yeah, yeah. More ups and more downs than people can imagine. But yes, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, I I am so happy to meet you because, you know, the, the variety of stories that that uh, I'm able to bring together on this podcast. You know, when I wrote my book, it was just my story, which was one story. But then I know that there are so many more stories out there and that uh, we need to keep these conversations going so that everyone understands that it's not such an unusual life event that we are talking about and how life uh, takes shape beyond that. But uh, before we talk about that, I, I want to sort of go back in the past. Um, you know, I know that you grew up in India. And uh, while growing up, what was the general atmosphere in your home or attitude towards marriage and, and divorce and whether any of that had an impact on your life, you know, as you became an adult and as you faced some difficult decisions in your mm-hmm. life? Can you tell us something about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no problem at all. Uh, my challenges are from very early on, very early on, I had challenges at because I was very avid uh, as a reader, um, uh, voracious reading, quite a lot of reading I used to do. So that widened my outlook in life and my you know, thought processes were shape, being shaped by things I was reading about and how people live and this and that. Uh, so many different perspectives I was getting. And uh, I uh, was from, my dad was an engineer and mom, mom was a homemaker. And it was a very traditional Brahmin family. It was untraditional in the sense that dad was very open-minded and he encouraged me to read a lot. And that's where my most of my strength comes from uh, his, the wings that he put on me. And uh, my mom would clip them and dad would uh, <laughs> encourage. So that's how it was. And uh, mom had some lot of limitations because she was, um, she lost her mother when she was seven and she was stuck in, a, in that sorrow uh, forever, for all her life. Uh, she just passed last uh, year. But since that, uh, from the age of nine, uh, eight or nine, when she lost her mother till end of her days she was just stuck in that little um, ch- little child never grew and 
that affected all of us and mostly me because I was such a outspoken rebel and uh, you know and my uh, views were very radical to hers and she couldn't handle the fact that a girl could be so outspoken and I was quite a tomboy as well and uh, I didn't uh, do myself any favors because I was so outspoken I never could pretend and this was a clash at home and so that's at the background for my um, marriage so my mother was of the mindset that okay you find a boy they'll arrange and get married and that's how it should be and I was from the beginning I don't know as uh, like 13 14 uh, once you start thinking about these things you know sort of from adolescent age I was very sure that I can't just you know how do you just go to bed with somebody like you just meet uh, because the parents say this is your husband and you know you might have met one or two times but that arranged marriage thing didn't ever appeal to me I was I don't know why I was a, a romantic at heart and I still am I suppose after all the pain still I am a romantic at heart I think mm, because that's what we all need and I think the it boils down to one thing that you want one person who you can actually love and rely on and trust and all that so most of the marriages fail i think because that that expectation is not met and it is hard for any human being to meet another person's expectation in this regard i know that but still we crave for that uh, you know acceptance not i wouldn't i don't want unconditional love i want a critical very um, on an equal basis somebody who can actually stand shoulder to shoulder and that kind of a thing but you know it's all quite idealistic I suppose mm. but uh, divorce was unheard of Brahmin family and uh, quite forward thinking but still you know nowadays in Brahmin families divorces are quite common see the girls if you see on the Chennai roads today in uh, college uh, thing that is what I was 30 years ago I was ahead of my time People couldn't handle that, my, especially my family. And my father could see it, but you know, that I wasn't off doing anything wrong, but uh, all the others for me, oh, this, she's too much. That too much is what I see every girl today. They, they know that there's a revolution and girls are opening their minds and talking and they, you know, I did it. I, I was not out of the ordinary that way because every girl I meet on the street with a confidence that, it reflects me but those days I was like oh my god she's something you know abominable almost uh, something like that just because I could think and I could speak my mind so divorce was not uh, very much frowned upon yeah so I assume that you did go ahead with the arranged marriage anyway is that correct no 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 no, no you no. did okay so so tell me how did you get married the first time then believe it or not it was out of I've been, okay, I, without accusation, I want, to, I want to take a leave from your book um, when I'm trying to answer this question because I saw throughout the book, you were non-accusatory. I mean, you mentioned differences, but do not go deep into it. You don't point fingers and blameless. And I thought that was a very elegant and dignified way of, presenting the matters. Likewise, with my mom, I had very, very, very serious differences. And um, 
she just couldn't reconcile and it came to the boil when she just said it's either her or me and she walked out and i just in a half walked out that's how the marriage happened uh, there was a friend who was keen to marry me and i never you know i was i was a tomboy come on i was never a one for but i just said okay rather than david planning to get married off to some doctor or engineer oh he's got a house oh this one's got a car is that's the criteria for them to get i said no no i'm not having any of that and and my mother i was begging my dad one thing i said i'll go to chennai i'll live in a hostel i can look after myself i can get a job i can that's what every single girl does you know from mainly from the cities but those days you know when i said that it, i was looked up you know as if i was doing suggesting that let let me go almost like let me go prostitute myself something to that effect you know i'm using the strong word only because it was seen as like my god what is she up to but today everybody does that and it is taken in the stride but those days you know and i had to so either you leave the house and you go into your uh, husband's house and i said okay right you know almost like you know stupid rebellion of I, i just dug my own grave that's what happened and i thought okay let me give it a shot this guy wants see i always believe that if somebody really loves you they, you know you'll be all right you, you know you don't have to marry the person you love but you know. But that was a stupid 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 mistake yeah okay yeah i can see that uh, you had a very turbulent um, adolescence and uh, and also uh, differences with with your mom i'm i'm sure that had a big bearing on on your choices as a young adult but what about when uh, you came to that conclusion that this marriage is not working so that would be sort of another big leap that that you were taking within okay they had there is a saying from the frying pan into the fire i was unhappy so unhappy intensely unhappy uh in the in my parents home because i was not understood and my intentions were not understood and then i go into something which is even far worse because there's no uh, desire aspirations ambition ambition in you know small amount is what motivates you to go ahead if you need to have ambition some kind of a goal or purpose or a desire to strive uh, to grow that's that was so crucial for my grow you know in my life i've always wanted to you know not competitive and excel but you know naturally certain things came to me because i was uh, i was well read so academically i was just flying through easily always first and all that without effort and but the emotional side is where even today i'm learning and it's hard but um the decision oh my god what have i done came in the very first year okay okay and then uh, and for the messaging from from the family would have been okay you you sort of like you said no 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 you know no no one no one was with me in the first two years so my dad used to come he used to try and try and make peace but i was sort of ostracized and um i was on this on my own and uh, i was just 20 from 21 to 23 these two years very for very crucial and too young fell pregnant and i was by then some peace had been established and 
they insisted I should have the child. They thought that, you know, that'll buy, you know. Um, they, they wanted, it's like an entrapment. They, they just wanted me to be grounded and they thought that's going to be the way forward. And I didn't know, I was grasping at straws, I suppose, in my drowning state. And so I thought, okay, if that's the way it's supposed to go. And I took it and I said, okay, you know, I decided not to go for the abortion that I initially thought. Then it was the first month and coincidentally, my sister, was, sister and my mother, both of them sat me down and had this conversation. And so I had to just, you know, I, then I became a people pleaser. I was trying to win back some kind of credibility. And that was one of the deciding factors. And I have no regrets that I had the kid, but I've had a lot of troubles in that quarter as well. Yeah, <laughs> that's when things really started falling apart after that. It was a cesarean operation and I was not supported by anyone. And uh, yeah. So what you're saying is very important because one of the, uh, the cultural, um, themes that runs through Indian marriages is that, especially the ones that are not working out. I mean, and it applies to everyone, but especially if you're having a hard time, they say, just have a kid and everything will be fine. You know, yeah. a child will bring bring you close together or uh, you start your own family. You know, these are the things that you are told. And in, in your case, maybe the pregnancy happened, but there are many cases in which people um, are encouraged to bring another life into the world as sort of as i've written in my book bridge. Like, like a yeah like a bridge or or uh, you know like a band-aid over <laughs> something that <laughs> is a bleeding wound yeah, yeah exactly and it's ripped mm. quite badly so it's not like a band-aid is going to help but it almost seems like this um you know one solution this recipe for success absolutely so i think uh not knowing that you know when when you yourself haven't figured things out by throwing another variable that to a, a baby who's a living, uh, you, you know, a living being that requires love and affection and support. And that is uh, one thing I was so adamant, actually, that was my reason for not wanting to have, I said, I'm not, I'm not yet in a safe place. I'm not settled. How am I going to provide? And I know how much, so much is needed to be a parent. And I was so aware of the responsibilities and hugely afraid. And that's one of the reasons I was, I said, financial security, first of all, and emotional security, all these things are not in place. And what are we doing, you know? And I always have the opinion that, oh, we've got too many children already. What am I doing? Bringing more into the world and actually not giving. I suffered as a child. So I'm not going to transfer that to my child, you know, but actually you're conditioned subconsciously far beyond what you can imagine and it does affect you and anyway yeah true yeah so uh so did you stay in the marriage uh, after your son was born did you stay for uh, a yes, long time yes can yes, you yes. Idea? How long? yeah two years two years okay. two first year i knew the disaster second year fell, fell pregnant at the end of second second two and a half years into the marriage i got the you know and Another two years, I, one year, I just said, okay, for him, for him, for this child, and I have to stay for the child. I have to make it work, make it work. And, you know, I gave and gave and gave, and I felt I absolutely got nothing 
out of it, the whole arrangement and I, it was such a strain on on a young person young person's shoulders and i really relieved it a lot and um sorry uh, yeah so i uh, so all this happened in india and after uh, very turbulent years of your marriage and being a young mother uh, when you finally took the step to to say okay the, the marriage is over yes there is a, a child uh, is that the time you left india or did you try to uh, no, no i was okay i had to stay back okay my kid was actually forcefully taken from a kidnapped literally from my home and taken away from me and i had to stay in the same city, same street, actually. I had checked into a ladies hostel because my husband came to know that I was considering divorce because the lawyer I spoke to went and snitched and told him, your wife is considering this, which was a very nasty thing for a lawyer to do. And uh, the lawyer happened to be living in the same block. And you know, so they took the child away from me. And uh, they said, you know, unless you leave, you're not going to get the child back. And, uh, and anyway, leaving was definitely the option I had. I left the house with one box full of my certificates and folders and another cardboard box full of my clothes. And that's how I left. And I was leaving behind my bookshelf and my son, two things that I really wanted, nothing else I wanted. And and I had to stay and fight for his custody because they wouldn't bring him back and until I left and I left the house and I stayed there, I recruited a lawyer and I was naive, I was so naive. I was only 25, 26. I thought that I would be able to completely, you know, win the custody because he was only four and a half years old and I thought, I will get custody because the rightfully the child should stay till seven, uh, seven years of age. And then he makes it a choice of which parent he wants to live with. And I said, if he comes, he's going to want to stay with me because why wouldn't he? Yeah. Then it started the divorce uh, proceedings and they were keen on divorce. I was keen on custody. I said, you give me custody, then I'll give you the divorce. But whereas they said, no, no, no child. He's, you, they, I had visitation rights, but they wouldn't even honor them. I used to go to the school. I used to be thrown out and I tried so it, to go to the house. They keep changing their home and I never got to see the child at all. And time was passing by and I was just yeah, devastated that, you know, yeah, I never got to see him for a long time yeah and, and all uh, this time you stayed in india or uh, at what at, point at this time i was in india yes i was in india and in chennai i was going through all this i was working and every time i go to the court they will postpone postpone and they would not uh, con you know the custody i wanted the custody and and then they kept pushing the time they knew the game they were playing a game and i didn't know and um i had to swap jobs. I used to. I was working as a uh, sales executive uh, for an interior decorator company, and then I changed to teaching, which I didn't like. I, it was thrust upon me, like because teaching. And then the judges' one query was, "How will you look after your child?" I said, "I will 
to put him in a school and I will work in the same school and I will take him in the morning and come back with him and he'll have 24 seven. And he, they, were, they asked me, you're staying in a hostel, how are you gonna look after a child in the hostel? So I had to rent a house, move into a home to prove. Every time I go, they will set one target and I will meet that they will move the goalpost. Again, I will, I strive, strive to meet. And the time was dragging on and yeah. So did you, or did you manage to, to have access to your son or you had to leave uh, the country without that? I didn't have access to him at all. For five years, I fought for the custody, five years. On the fourth year, I applied. I was a principal of a school in uh, a residential school and um, uh, I had grown very quickly within the two, three years. And I was educating myself all the time, doing more, more and more and more academic studies and all that. And um, I applied for jobs abroad. I knew that I had to get financially secure. Uh, even I couldn't pay the bills of the lawyer or things like that, you know, with whatever money I had, I was doing everything I was doing from a very weak financial position. So I was obviously not getting what I should have got. Like in today's, day, I went to the women's police station, so many things I tried, everything like, you know, was turned against, turned, somehow they, you know, yeah, um, I did my best uh, to earn enough money to fight this and continue fighting my case. But after four years, I said, okay, I need to first finish. And my brother, there were only two friends, my brother and his friend, like who really supported me through the journey, like this time when I was like completely, completely alone. I didn't have any place to even go and stay or be called. People sort of didn't want to be associated with the divorcee. I think, you know, social stigma was so bad and things like that. So, yeah. And uh, I, um, I know I hurt my parents in this. I feel sorry about that, but I was hurting so much that, you know, it's, I couldn't even think of that aspect until much later, much, much later when, you have time to reflect and go back to it and think, oh my God, I could have done, you know, I should have been more considerate about what would they would be going through. Yeah. Um, the divorce journey is difficult for everyone involved. You know, the couple involved, the children involved and the parents involved. And I think- yeah. And then, yeah, I left India uh, on my first job uh, with the Ministry of Education in Oman. I went to Oman. Uh, I was there for six years before I, uh, that contract ended and I came to London. Yeah, in this meanwhile, yeah, I left um, uh, 1995. My son was born in uh, 88, so he was like, must have been five, six, but I hadn't seen him. So when I went to Oman and when I came back in the holidays, I somehow managed to get to see him just once briefly for half a day and uh, I took a lot of stuff for him. There are the only two times I saw him in 13 years, so at, when he was seven and then when he was 14, that only two times until I could bring him uh, to London for good. That was later, yeah, that was in seven, when he was 17. Yeah. <laughs> 
So uh, it really sounds like you were put through the ringer on so many fronts, right? On, uh, you know, finding uh, your feet, finding financial security at the same time, uh, you know, doing everything you could to have access to your child. It seems like you really, really went through a lot. In retrospect, now that there's uh, time and distance from, from those, um, those days, how do you think divorce has uh, changed you as a person? And divorce, that divorce, that particular divorce was like my slate was wiped clean. I had some kind of obligation there. I don't know. I believe in karma, some karmic obligation. And it was what the slate was wiped so clean. I have no anger. No, uh, even though they did the heinous thing of taking the child away, that's the worst thing anybody can do to you. I was able to even forgive that. I said, okay, you know, destiny. It is that like in the early days when Arun was uh, not well, I was almost on the verge. I mean, for five months, he was unwell. I was very sickly child and I suffered. In the fifth or the sixth month, I, I almost just couldn't cope with it. One day I had a conversation with God. I gave him an ultimatum. He said, I didn't ask for this child. It was an accident. You gave it. And I could have destroyed, but I kept it. Now it's your child. I'm, it's not my child anymore. I just surrendered it to you. Either you make him well so that I can actually take care of him or take him. Believe it or not, within one week, he was from a very thin, stickly, stick child. He became such a fluffy, healthy, wonderful baby. I don't know, that prayer I'll never forget in my life. And because, and because maybe that's because I said, it is your child, I, I give it to you. Uh, his name is Niveed, Arun Nivedan, Nivedan. I just gave it like that. And I have a feeling that Many times he comes close, but I, I, I can't have him because I gave up. And I think I, I, I'm constantly reminded of that uh, thought that um, I willingly gave him up, you know, for him. And so, and so he was taken away from me. I was not there. When I brought him to, he could, he, knew he understood what I was but I was too much for him I was too bold too strong too everything too too much too much overwhelmed he was overwhelmed and he couldn't trust fully and bond he knows me but yet he misunderstood all my uh, firm ways of bringing him I had to cram in 13 years of missed parenting in three four years and that was too much as it is I'm too much and because I'm people, that is one thing. These two words people have associated all the time. You're too passionate. You're too emotional. You're too, always it is too attached to what I am because I do everything 100% or not at all. Yeah, I think that moment of transcendence that you describe, you know, having that conversation with God, I think a lot of us come to those moments when when they're happening uh it just seems that this is what you have to do you know this is where you have to open your mouth and and surrender and and in your case as you say it 
literally took a life of its own like when when you when you um, figuratively surrendered it happened in real life as well as, as almost yeah. like you were making um, you were giving him over to to whatever was going to happen and yeah actually that's front but all the subsequent years took it See, literally right my husband died 5 years ago then he died he is diagnosed with the terminal cancer and my only prayer to god was i don't pray uh, very frequently i'm not a praying type i talk i have conversations all the time that's different but the actual clear cut prayers were two occasions that was one for arun this was for john i said if i am going to ask oh let him be here for me that is selfishness he's your child i'm your child too you know what is good for me what's good for him he needs you now and whatever you decide if it's good for him to stay let him stay if it's good for him to go let him go take him whatever is good for him let that happen that was my prayer same thing with arun now i pray that whatever is good for you should happen because that's that's love you know that's one way of that's the that is the ultimate surrender i can't if i want my will all the time if i want my dreams and desires to fulfill that's very selfish i i've never been like that i've never asked for god for anything for myself but i've been blessed abundantly i've worked hard for everything but i have been blessed abundantly with whatever is needed and uh, and i've always been in touch with that inner, inner guidance system which i think has been the making of me and uh, yeah so it looks like uh, the the divorce literally um, made you into a new person right i mean there it the marriage and becoming a mother and and trying to fight for a child really remade you and restarted you in in a new place uh, whether it was my friends call me phoenix because so many times i've been burnt right down to the ashes and i rise again and constantly i constantly rediscover and reshape myself and yeah constantly trying to so let me ask you in the years since right because uh, we are talking about um, you know close to 20 25 years since since your divorce That's, yeah mm-hmm. what do you see uh, and this i'm very curious because you live in the uk i i haven't lived in the uk and i know that you know there's a huge indian and south asian community there there seems to be um, you know something very peculiar with our culture that while divorce is common and getting more common the reluctance to talk about it or bring it out and uh, under the light seems to be uh, still running very high people still avoid talking about divorce have you given it some thought um, what do you think are the reasons well, okay there was a time in the, when i was younger um the time uh, when i actually took, walked out I was forced to walk out you can say it whatever way that was in 1992 from then till 1996 like four years when i was fighting with it when i was alone that was the toughest time that was in india then after that i left in to oman in oman also people are like you know um 
still the divorce hadn't come through. That was in 1995 and Tivoma. 1995 only in the summer of 1995, I got the divorce through. Um, the community there and also when I came to UK also, when I was young, people are like more critical and more un unforgiving and scathing in their remarks. They don't know how deep certain things. And people are like some friends of mine where when before I found the courage to remarry John, like he was a friend, common family friend. And uh, it took me a while to like once bitten, twice shy, don't want to commit. Um, but it took me a while to decide, you know what, one of the things that forced me to actually say yes and go with that is because a young person alone was not safe. Everybody tried to suggest or in this insinuate or attempt kind of negative, um, not negative, not negative, but unwanted uh, attention was uh, from the male um, um, community and the women critical. These are the two things, men wanted me, women hated me friends were afraid to get me into their circle uh, friends who i thought were friends the real friends stuck on and um, i'm quite an extroverted person but uh, i had to re re uh, think who are the real ones who are the people who matter who are the people who i, I need to keep around in my life and um, who are the people I should let go for my sanity and for my peace of mind then. And one of the major contributing factors was I felt that, yeah, this society is still not ready for a single person living alone. Today's, by if it, the Usha who is today had been at that time, I wouldn't have uh, remarried. Um, I would have do, you, do you think why why is that? Is it because you because of what you said that you know the what the people what afraid. the people are what the people would say? I was the one who used to always rebel say I don't care what people say in the beginning when I was a teenager and was a young adult, but then I started it turned around 180 degrees. I started worrying about what people say, which is very unusual because I'm so forthright and so straightforward, and I just don't give a damn like you know I know what I'm doing and you know if my intention and my heart is in the right place and my I'm honest with myself that is priority for me even today my honesty with myself as to what I am is more important than what others would think of me but the divorce put that in my head so badly that I started thinking I need to Win the approval of these people who are who form the fabric of the society. I can't go against the society and expect, you know. So everybody wants to be, you know, get that stamp of approval. I mean, I'm not I wasn't craving for it, but I wanted it enough, badly enough. Yeah, that was what it did to me. It damaged me that way, I think. It changed me that way. Yeah. yeah. But I think like, um, you know, you, you keep referring to how different things are today compared to, um, you know, when you were uh, in that situation. But there are still many young women who uh, today 
uh, choose differently, you know, uh, either there's domestic violence or abuse or a toxic relationship. And while there may be acceptance um, that yes, not all marriages work and it's not, um, you know, it, it, there is still stigma around it or there is still a lot of hesitation to go through uh, breaking that relationship, no matter how weak it was to begin with, right? Um, even if they were never convinced or they saw red flags from day one or they did it for themselves or for someone else, it's not easy to break. What would be one advice that you would um, offer to someone who's considering divorce but hesitating in today's day and age? Um, I would say be clear of what you want. Be clear of who you are. Often we overlook ourselves, which I have done too. People think that, oh, she decided this, she decided. No, but I have sacrificed a lot of the real me. And so know yourself well, know what you want from life or what you want to be seen or considered as. And once you've made the decision, what are you willing to give up for it? You're supposed to give up. Yes, your time, your effort, your energy, your relationships. What are you willing to sacrifice? It's always a transaction in the universe. That's what I see. In order to get something, you have to give up something. All those who have achieved, people see the certificates. They say, oh, she's so proud of what she has achieved. But they don't know the number of hours and hours of toil and hard work and sacrifices and uh, things that have gone into it. We have given something up to get something. You're a, you know this so well as well from reading the book and even beyond the book, I can see what you'd have done and how much you've done. And so likewise, I'm, I, I don't have one big degree. I've got multiple degrees, which is similar because I used to, oh, this job requires this qualification. So push myself to achieve that two years. So I never socialized, I never, I uh, had parties. I never went shopping with girls and this and that. No fun, only work, 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 go up, grow, 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 grow. But now I'm doing everything that I missed out. So the what advice you said, this is what I would say. Be clear of who you are, what you want. And once you've made the decisions, what are you willing to give up for it? Make an analysis. Be clear that you have to give up something to get something. So you are giving up. It's always a compromise. And people give up, you know, for business people, very common business people give up all their family and this thing. They're sacrificing something to get that. And is that bringing them enough satisfaction? So what? it's all about the balance, right? So would I say make it work? Yes, absolutely. Try your best to make it work. But if it is at the sacrifice of the inner soul, that is, that's not, that's not on. You don't have to destroy yourself in order to make something work. That is like lose, win. It should be win, win. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Just have to have the guts to face it and say, but don't, nowadays I see divorces for simplest reasons. People saw my divorce also like that at that time. Oh, she can't adjust giving up too quickly. But I knew fundamental basic things were not there. I was not safe. 
I was not safe in the marriage, financially not secure, emotionally not secure. When you have nothing coming out of that situation, it's time to move. And so make, make an effort to understand the other person. It's always a compromise, wherever you go, whatever you do. Living alone has its perks, but it's got its real big downsides too. Being alone, being a widowed person and being alone. Even now, I'm not, that, you know, I don't look old. I keep myself okay. Uh, even now, I'm back to the same situation when you, know, you don't have a male person next to you. So immediately people start making assumptions. If I, as if I'm after all their you know, partners or whatever, just because they can't stand the confidence and um, the self-made person that I am and self-assured and, and brutally honest with myself and as well as with others. I, I know, you know, I am, I can be quite um, sharp or uh, critical because that's the nature of my job. I was a lecturer, so all the time you're looking for flaws, not the things to, yes, you're looking for things to appreciate, but mostly the minute you open a piece of paper, you're going through, oh, what are the wrong things? You pick out only the wrong things. Even in any situation, what can I fix? What do I need to improve? What can I fix? This is all that drives me. So the young people should know, you know, First, you have to make the absolute sure that it's not going to work at all. Once they've made that decision, then look at yourself. Where are you going to do? What are you going to do? Look at the options and don't do something in haste. That's what I would say. Yeah, I, th I think that's very, very good advice to also know yourself and what you want. And like you're very right. Anything that uh, you gain, uh, whether it's through your effort um, or through making this bold choice, there are things you give up. And, and I think expecting it only to always land in your favor is not going to happen. You are going to face those hurdles. But the thing that I wanted to uh, communicate through my book was that it wasn't the end of your life. It was um, end of a phase of, uh, of your life. Maybe it was a long or short uh, very intense phase, but that, that there is, there are things you can do. You can do as a person. In your case, it looks like you you became this uh, lifelong learner. You know, adding value to yourself, growing as a person, uh, trying to find ways. You know, being very creative in, in, and bold also in in leaving India to in in search of of that financial security which you wanted. So would you say that um, with or without uh, a man that is, it's possible to rewrite your happily ever after? Is that something that, that you believe that can be told? See, we are, we, I believe that we are creating our path, our destiny, every single moment of our life with the choices we make. I mean, after major uh, turnover or like this, Yes, of course you can. And happily ever after, that phrase, um, funnily enough, that is so great to me. I don't like the Disney concept of happily ever after, but I like the twist you have put on that title, rewriting it. And, uh, and uh, yes, we are rewriting, reshaping, and we bring what we are into our lives. And 
the better, that's why I'm interested in self-improvement all the time. So the more you improve yourself, the more you can bring to your own life. Forget about enriching other people's lives. You enrich your own life. You can be the best that you can be. And yes, you can rewrite. And yes, you can uh, take it in whatever direction you intended to go. If you um, really um, think about it and plan it a little bit, so I am a very spontaneous person. That is one of the flaws, which uh, has been my strength. And see, always it's any quality of yours is twin edge. It can be your flaw. It can be also uh, your strength. So being spontaneous, I did make quite rash decisions, but that also helped me to um, enjoy life a bit more. My husband used to say, oh, you are not careful, you know, you, you're just rushing into things. And I said, yeah, you're walking on the foot, you know, pavement and, you know, being careful, not, be, but I like to run with abandon and I fall, I get up, but I, but I've run, I have had more life than you have. You're walking proper, safe on the pavement. What does it matter? I'm not that. So yeah, yeah. take risks, but take some sensible some calculated risk be spontaneous also yeah that's also important otherwise there's no life at all if you're going to plan and be calculated i'm not calculated at all I'm, i don't manipulate anyone i don't i you know i don't calculate anything i just go with my heart and that's it live really do even after all this still live from my heart and that's it yeah, I think that's that's very apparent from from this call that we've had. I can see that. So, Usha, thank you so much for joining us and and sharing your, you know, the difficulties you've had because this is also something that we need to talk about. But I, I, it also comes out very clearly that you have, uh, you know, led your life following your heart. You know, and the taking those those steps would not have been easy, particularly in the times that you're talking about. But seeing you now today, highly accomplished and uh, so articulate in, in expressing yourself. So it, it's been a pleasure for me. So thank you so much for thank joining you. Thank you, cheers. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.